0: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Good morning, everyone. Great to be together this morning. Jane and I are in the Crawley congregation today, so we're not with you in person, but we definitely are here in spirit this morning. So great to speak to everybody in Horsham, everybody connecting in online this morning, whether you're local, regional, or in another part of the country or the world, a big, big welcome to you. Now, Jane and I, earlier in the week, we had a couple of days where we were meeting with a number of leaders from around the nation Uh, who lead different networks of churches uh, and and different spheres and and things in in the Christian world, if you like, in the UK. And it was a time of sharing together, praying together, uh, just building relationships. And one of the things that was talked about a little bit uh, was coming out of the last couple of years uh, of lockdown, of the coronavirus and everything else, just what kind of impact that has had on churches and particularly on individuals, on believers, and some of the challenges and struggles that there have been. On top of that, everything that is still continuing to go on with the energy challenges, fuel prices, the economy, and the, the, obviously what's continuing in the Ukraine and, and how that is affecting everything in, in the world. And one of the things that was was spoken about is for, for maybe some, if not maybe many believers, there, there's quite a tiredness uh, going on, uh, but also some uh, distractions that have really come into place for others. Some have just been challenged mentally in their mental health. Others have, have been through some relational challenges and issues. Uh, for others, it's caused isolation. And, and there's been a lot of negatives, if you like, and challenges some people have, have found it to be one of the best seasons of their lives, and they've really risen and and just found God in a whole new way in their lives. But for others, uh, it's it's kind of been a time of even being separated out from the church, and and being picked off. Maybe some of that by the enemy, maybe the circumstances of life, and and people were just talking about some of the not not individual pastoral situations but just generalising in terms of uh, in every church everybody said that people hadn't come back and they didn't mean come back to a Sunday service, it was really just coming back into the life of the body and really taking part in the life of the church and people had kind of gone off and found other things to do with their time or maybe this scripture uh, that the in, in the last days that the love of many will grow cold. Maybe there's been that taking place in some people's lives uh, and distractions and, and different things. And, but in all of that as well, people were saying that they've seen many new people come to their churches, people that have found faith, people that have come back to God uh, in, in different ways. And there's been a, a, a lot going on. And somebody just shared for a couple of moments a, a scripture from 2 Timothy 3, 14, and and I believe this is really, really important uh, in the days that we are in and as a church in each of our lives personally. And this scripture says in verse 14 of 2 Timothy 3, but as for you, so Paul is speaking to one of his spiritual sons here, disciples, And in the face of challenge, in the face of opposition, in the face of negativity, in the face of circumstances, and and everything could go on that would want to sidetrack and take people out. This is what he says to Timothy. He says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. I think one of the things that's happened in this last two, two, two and a half years or more is that the things that we know in our head but are not necessarily a reality in our lives are, have been shown not to be real in us and not to have a real impact on us. And therefore we have not continued in those things. But where we are convinced of what we know, the reality of. There's a conviction, we're convinced. The things that we really live by, the core principles in terms of our relationship with God and with others and how we live our lives, the things that we're convinced of, they're the things that have remained. And the enemy, wants to steal, kill and destroy. He wants to take people out. He wants to cause division in the church. He wants to use circumstances that have been going on to cause tiredness and fracture and various things like this. And and we were so encouraged when we were away this week with a lot of these, these guys um, because it's like, Father, we thank you for the deep conviction that you've put in our lives as Kingdom Faith about who you are about the living word that you are in our lives, the core values and principles that we live by, that we want to we continue to be a people that seek you, encounter you, know you, respond to this invitation of intimacy that you've been given. We wanna be those that continue to lay hold of Your Word and Your promises. People that don't necessarily live according to the circumstances, the facts or our feelings, but those who continue to really take hold of the truth of who we are, what You say about us individually, what You say about us together as a people, that we lay hold of Your Word at this time. We meditate on these things. We speak them and pray them over our lives, over who we are as a people so that we continue not only to live by what we've learned but what we are convinced by so that we continue to walk through the current circumstances in a place of faith and confidence in God and not necessarily to be shaken and moved off course by the circumstances of the day. And so just coming back here this Sunday, uh, and, and just wanting to encourage who we are as a people as we get into Romans chapter 7 this week as part of what we're looking at and some of the things that that are going on in this chapter and then going into the first few chap- uh, verses of chapter 8 of Romans. I just want to pick out some stuff in there that I believe are going to help us in our lives. How to live in a place of victory, how to continue to live as to who we are in Christ in Christ, in the face of negativity, lies of the enemy, the circumstances of the world, the challenges of the day. And so as we get into Romans seven, I just wanna do a really quick synopsis of, of all the previous chapters so far in a couple of moments and, and Paul's encouragement. Uh, to the believers in Rome. He was speaking to the church in Rome, to Jews and Gentiles where there was, there was some divisions, some factions, a bit of uh, challenge going on amongst those believers. He was speaking into that situation. Okay. And <clears throat> what he was basically saying is, is creating a level playing field, beginning to communicate the gospel, showing that, Every person needs salvation, no matter who you are, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, black or white, whoever you are, we all need Jesus. And what he began to show is that before God, no one is righteous. But the only way that we can be made righteous and therefore acceptable to God is through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That doesn't come by the law, or by anything that we do ourselves. And he begins to hammer home this point because the Jews often sought to live according to the law and Gentiles were were kind of saying, well, you know, maybe there's another way if we just try and be godly, try and do this, then we can be acceptable to God. And he was speaking right into that saying, no, the only way we can be made acceptable and righteous is through the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And this Gospel says that sin separated man from God. But in God's redemptive love, He expressed His wrath and exercised His wrath against the sin of mankind and dealt with the power of sin. And then in His righteousness, He judged sin, nailing it to the cross, then making forgiveness and the possibility then of being made righteous a reality for those who believe. Now we know and from what Paul writes is that we don't deserve God's forgiveness or His acceptance, but God in His faithfulness treats us in a way that we do not deserve. Therefore, enabling us to be forgiven of our sin, then then being made righteous and then giving us the gift of His righteousness that comes by faith alone, not by works, not by the law or by anything else, but by faith alone then bring in peace and joy into our lives showing us that we are now alive in Christ that we're no longer uh dead to God but we're now alive to him no longer a slave to sin but now a slave to righteousness, because we've been made right with God. And hopefully that sums up the first six chapters of Romans, a reminder for us, this journey that we're on, where God wants to remind us of the truth of who we are in the face of the lies of the enemy, the circumstances of the day, the challenges that are around us, uh, factions, divisions, seeking to come, to separate churches, to divide churches, to distract people off to something else, taking their eyes off the Lord. In the midst of all of that, the Holy Spirit is wanting to remind us, hey guys, remember who you are. Remember what Jesus has done for you. Remember the truth in the face of everything else. And then when we come into Romans 7, we're going to unpack a few verses at the beginning of this chapter and the beginning of chapter Why is it so important to get into the Word? Because when believers believe, things happen. The enemy does not have an answer to a believer who believes. A believer who believes has the shield of faith that they are seeking daily to hold up in their life. They're using the sword of the Spirit to cut down the lies of the enemy they're using the, the, the shield of faith that when the enemy comes and says, you're this, you're that or the other. Look at how you feel. Look at the circumstances. Look at the facts. We're holding up saying, yeah, I know they're the circumstances. I know they're the facts and I know this is how I feel. But I'm not going to live according to those things because there is another way that has been made available to me in Christ Jesus. And so I'm going to hold up my shield of faith. I'm going to hold up the word and what God says about me, what he says about the circumstances, how he says I can live in the power of the Holy Spirit as I take a hold of the truth. And as I daily walk in this way, I'm holding up the shield of faith that quenches the fiery darts of the enemy. Strongholds of negativity begin to be broken down in my thinking or might be going on in my life because the power of the truth is breaking those things down and replacing those things with strongholds of truth, with the power of who God is in me and in my life and therefore in us together as a people. Don't you just love the truth? Don't you love what God says about who we are? So Romans 7, when we come into this chapter, off the back of all the previous six chapters that Paul, that we've just summarized that Paul has been teaching, okay? There's an illustration that he gives here. And the title of this little section in scripture here is being free from the law and from a previous sinful life. And so what does Paul say here in Romans 7 verse 1 in the truth version? He says, I speak to you as my brothers and as those who know the religious law. You are aware that the law only has authority over a person while he is alive. When he has died, it is of absolutely no relevance to him. And here's the example that he gives. He says, for example, a woman remains married to her husband as long as he lives or as they live. But if he dies, her marriage also ends according to the law. She is then free to marry again and if she so desires without being guilty of adultery. Verse four, so my brothers understand that it was only possible for you to become a living member of Christ's body because you had died to the law first. You cannot be married to both the law and Christ. So what is Paul saying? He's using an illustration of marriage here and he's speaking partly to the religious guys or or, or Jews that could default to a religious mindset, saying, Hey guys, now that you are in Christ, you are no longer married to the law. You are no longer one with the law any longer. You've, that because now you have died to the law of trying to be godly in your own strength, you are now married to who you are now in Christ. And therefore you have something new operating in your life. And this is what he then says. Okay. He says, It is clear that you live in Christ Jesus, He who was raised from the dead, so that now you might live a life that fulfils God's purpose for you, not simply obeying a set of religious laws, because when you died with Christ, you died to the religious law, you now are united with Him in His risen life. So if we are united now with Christ, we are now married to Him in that sense. It's like thinking ourselves as the bride of Christ that we are we are given to the one that we are giving ourselves to. We no longer give ourselves to sin and the power of that, we now give ourselves to Him. And Paul is encouraging the believers here, okay, you, you're not married to the law anymore, you're now married to Christ. But also he's saying you're not married to sin any longer, you're now married to the new nature that is within you and that's the nature of Christ okay listen to verse 6 yet the situation is now completely different because you have died with Christ you are free from the sinful passions that once put you into bondage you have been liberated from the very idea that you can please God by trying to obey a set of religious rules and regulations you understand now that the only way you can serve God and please him is by walking in the new way led by the Holy Spirit this is such a better way of life that it is pointless to return to your former way, trying to please God in ways that you failed to keep anyway. So what Paul is saying here, as we've already said, we are now, we have a new nature on the inside of us, not a sinful nature that controls our life. That's not a default anymore. Uh, the nature that we now have is a new nature, the nature of Christ Jesus in us. Galatians 2 verse 20 says, "'I have been crucified together with Christ, the person I was no longer uh, lives, but Christ now lives in me. The life I live in my body, I live by faith in God's Son, who has loved me by giving himself on my behalf.'" So what's Paul saying? Hey guys, remember that it is not you in your old natural self that lives any longer. You're now a new creation, a new person. You are now alive in Christ. Your spirit has come alive. What's he basically saying? He's saying before you knew Jesus, your spirit was not alive. Therefore, you lived fully in your soul Expressing all your soulless desires through your body, which in the Bible is called the flesh, the soul and the body working together, you're you're living in the flesh. Now, before you are saved, twenty-four-seven, you are living in the flesh. Okay, you are unacceptable to God. Uh, you, we cannot please God before we surrender and submit our lives to Him and are born again. But we know that God has done everything possible to make us acceptable to Him, as we've already said this morning. So when we are born again, we come alive to Christ. Our spirit comes alive. okay, and therefore there is a new order, a new way that is in our life. And some of you have heard this before and maybe some of you haven't. But there's a teaching that we have uh, as a church where we talk about spirit, soul and body. Maybe this way for the camera, spirit soul and body. Now we've become alive in the spirit and to the spirit and we now have Christ in us by the power of the spirit. We now, we the 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 spirit, we want to rule and reign in our lives and we submit everything of our soul, which is our mind, our thinking, our emotions, how we're feeling and our will, okay, the things we want to do. We submit our soul life to the spirit And also, therefore, we're submitting our body because our bodies no longer belong to us. They're a temple of the Holy Spirit and we want our bodies to honour God. So we submit our bodies also to the Spirit. So there's a flow of life now in us that is the life of the Spirit, which is the life of Christ, So it's God's Word and His Spirit together working in us. And as we submit our lives to the Spirit and live according to the Spirit, then that affects the way we think because the Bible says we now have the mind of Christ. So we want our minds to be not just influenced by, but we want our minds to be led by, even controlled by the mind of the Spirit, okay? The Word of God and the things of the Spirit so that then we think in a line with the Word, we think in line with the Holy Spirit, so that then that impacts the choices we make, the way we feel, what we do, how we live and the way we respond to others. So we bring our soul under the Lordship of the Spirit but then also our bodies under the Lordship so that our bodies are then used for as The Bible talks about noble or holy purposes and not our own or for soulish or even fleshly desires which lead us into sin uh, in that way. And so really that's what Paul is summarising here in in a few verses, that our spirit has come alive, we're now people of the spirit, not just soul and body, but we're now spirit, soul and body. And as we seek to submit our lives daily in the decisions and choices we make, then that means our soul life is submitted to the life of the spirit and therefore our thinking is healthy, Our emotions are healthy. It doesn't mean we don't have challenges in our emotions because of the circumstances, but what we do when our emotions are kicking off left, right and centre in different ways for different reasons, what we do is we bring those emotions and we say, Father, I just want to submit this emotion to you right now so that this doesn't dominate my life and lead my life. So I submit this emotion of anger or bitterness or annoyance or uh, 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 a desire in some way um, and and I, I submit this to you right now, to your Lordship, I wanna bring it under the Lordship of your Spirit so that your Holy Spirit leads me and not my emotions. There are choices that we make. We put our will into action. We say, Father, I wanna submit my will to your will, to your Spirit so that how I live is according to how you want me to live, how you want me to walk in this situation. And, and then the, the desires of our body. Again, we're submitting those to the Lord so that the, the life of the Spirit is at work in us, dominating, if you like, overcoming other things that want to rise up And and take control. And so, this is the life of the Spirit that's at work. And Paul puts this brilliantly in Romans 8 at the beginning here. He says, How wonderful now to be liberated from all condemnation. Condemnation is a work of the enemy. Um, Before you knew Jesus, you lived under condemnation. OK, you were going to spend eternity condemned, separated from God. But now you've given your life to Jesus Christ. You are no longer under any condemnation. You are free from that condemnation. And the continual failure that, that Paul is speaking about that it brought, he couldn't live up to the law. He couldn't try and live a sinless life. He just couldn't do it. But yet he says now, Alive in Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, there is no condemnation any longer for those who are in Christ. For those who live in Christ have been set free from all condemnation. Verse 2, through Christ Jesus, a different principle now lives in me. A new law, the Spirit of life. He has set me free from the law of sin, the power of sin and death. Under the law, I could not do what God wanted because of my weak, sinful nature. God dealt with that by sending His only Son to become man, to live amongst sinners and then to make His life a sinless offering to God on their behalf, on our behalf, your behalf, my behalf. Through this action, God dealt with the condemnation under which all sinners live. We all used to live under that. The enemy wants to say, you are still a sinner. Look at this, look at that, look at the other. Our response to that is That is not what God says about me. God does not call me a sinner. He says, no, you're now a saint. You're now holy. You're now blameless in my sight. You're no longer a sinner. You're not under condemnation. And sometimes we have to take a hold of that and say, devil, I'm not listening to those lies. Instead, I'm gonna listen to what Jesus says about me and I'm gonna speak that and declare that over my life and meditate on that so that that becomes a reality to me instead of the lies being a reality or trying to take a hold of me. Through this action, God dealt with condemnation under which all sinners live. In Christ, all the demands God expressed in the laws that He gave were fulfilled. We can't live up to the law without God. But yet all those things were fulfilled in Christ so that now... We live in the good of what Jesus has accomplished. He succeeded where we've all failed miserably so that now we can live as if we had succeeded. That is brilliant. We're not trying to live a successful Christian life. What we're doing is we're, we're living, say, Father, I surrender right now. And as I surrender my thinking, my heart, my motives, my desires, my longings, what's going on in me, the emotions, desires, all that, as I submit that. And, and sometimes you have to make a conscious choice and decision in the midst of a circumstance and say, hey, before this runs away with me and I ended up, end up where I don't really want to go, but things in me want to go in that way, I need to put the brakes and I say, right, hang on, hang on, hang on, S- stop, take a moment. Sometimes you might need to get on the phone and say, hey, would you just help me? A friend, somebody you believe in, who's going to pray with you. Hey, I, I'm, I, I need somebody to stand with me right now. And that's why we're a body, because we need one another in those moments. Before things run away, you can put the brakes on and say, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. I have authority over this temptation in Christ. And I'm going to take hold of this new nature that I have. And I'm going to have victory in this situation so that I join His success for my life. And I'm not trying to be successful on my own. His success has become my success, as it says, so long as we no longer live according to the weakness of our old nature, but we live led by, excuse me, and filled with God's Spirit. Wow. So, so encouraging in terms of what the Word of God says. There are, as we heard earlier, uh, a few months back, that series that we did about voice in the noise, there are so many voices still going on. Every day, maybe every hour, every minute even sometimes, we still need to take hold of what is the voice that I am going to listen to in my life in the middle of this circumstance, challenge, situation. What voice am I going to listen to? And we have the Holy Spirit who enables us to face temptation or lies of the enemy or the circumstances or emotions that are kicking off. We have the Holy Spirit in us that we can then say, Holy Spirit, I thank You right now in the midst of this situation, You enable me and help me to take hold of the truth, to speak it, to declare it and to take hold of it, to combat with the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, the lies of the enemy to overcome the emotions that are kicking off, that want me to go this way. And instead I submit those to you right now so that your rule and reign comes in so that I go that way, the way that you want me to go. And whatever is relevant in your life. So we want to thank the Apostle Paul for the revelation that he had of the truth and how he's written it in the Word for us to take a hold of and to express that in our lives. God has called us to be believers who believe. When we believe, we pray. When we believe, we act. When we don't believe, we tend to shrink back and hold back and we lose our confidence. And that's why we need one another. We need one another to help us, to pick us up, to encourage us, sometimes to challenge us, but to motivate us, to stand with us and say, hey, come on, let's pray together. Hey, come on, let's get hold of the Word together. Hey, come on, let's move forward together, arm in arm and we're not gonna be overcome by the enemy or anything else. We're gonna move forward and be overcomers and then bring that into other people's lives as well because that's one of the things that God is doing in in us, not only for us, but also so that we can take hold of everything that He wants to do through us that's gonna impact other people's lives. So let's just take a moment to pray. Now, there are a couple of questions We're going to put onto the screen in a few moments that you can look at. One is, am I focusing on facts, feelings or circumstances, allowing them to dictate my thinking and what I believe? If so, what do I need to do to refocus on the truth so that the truth becomes my reality, overcoming the facts and feelings to see the circumstances change, okay? But then also it's like a reminder to ask the Holy Spirit to help us take hold of the truth, to spend time meditating on the Word and praying it over my life, whether on my own or with others, to help me come through and see breakthrough in my life. Maybe there's some confessions of the truth that you can make from the Word today and uh, we'll put some of those up for you as well just a few things that you can speak and confess over your life this morning that no longer the sin have power over your life instead Jesus is the power and the victory over your life I don't have an old sinful nature any longer because I now have a new nature in Christ Jesus things like that we'll put on the screen for you and you confess but let's just pray for a moment father I thank you for who you are in our lives, that you are our victory. You are our overcoming life. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We're no longer married to an old nature, but because we've died to that, I no longer live. It is Christ who lives in me. We're now married to Christ. We we have a new nature at work in us. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of life that is at work in us. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you enable us to take a hold of who we are so that we can live in each day and walk through each day, not as victims, but as victors, not as defeated, but as overcomers, as winners in that sense. And so Father, I thank you that you enable us in these days to be hope and life to those around us because we are those who are in Christ and we have a hope that is our anchor and our foundation, our rock that we live on. And so Jesus, I thank You for what You're doing this morning. Father, I just speak healing over people's lives today. If you need some healing this morning, I want you just to take hold of that healing grace that is available to you this morning. And as you respond, and maybe those around you this morning that you're going to pray with in twos and threes, in a few moments, pray with one another. Expect God to bring healing into your physical body this morning, that symptoms go, sickness leaves, Uh, Issues go from your body in the name of Jesus this morning. That As believers believe, things change. Father, I just thank you for relief in people's bodies this morning, mentally, physically, emotionally, in different ways. I speak and declare healing over people's lives in the mighty name of Jesus. If you don't know Jesus this morning, maybe talk to those around you, in your home or those that you're with uh, and just ask them, Why do you believe in Jesus? How did you become a Christian? What could that mean for me? Ask people, ask those questions. Be really blessed, guys. Have a fantastic time praying and ministering to one another. Bless you. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.